Hey everybody, this is Jade and welcome to another episode of Jade Start Secrets podcast. I'm really excited for you to hear this podcast episode because it's with a really special guest. His name is Matt Walton and I actually first met Matt when he owned XFC Australia and I was really impressed and super inspired by the way that he was running his business, training all of these fighters to go into the UFC um, and how he was growing this business to be something that was recognized internationally. And so I I caught up with Matt to chat to him all about his business, how he did it, and also something that not a lot of people talk about, which is what to do when you sell a business and and how you overcome that feeling of emptiness. So this podcast is super special. I hope you enjoy and please subscribe and let me know what you thought about the podcast in the comments at the end. Enjoy. So the big question is this. How do we have the freedom we crave so badly when we're stuck in jobs we don't like, leaving us unfulfilled, exhausted, and trapped? What if I told you that you're already qualified enough to start building a life on your terms, the life of your dreams? That is the question, and this podcast will show you how by giving you the answers. My name is Jade Weller, and welcome to Jade Start Secrets Podcast. Today I'm joined with Matt Walton, he's the former owner of XFC Australia and for those who don't know what XFC is, think of UFC for Australia. That's right. <laughs> um, you actually believe you, you fed some of the fighters into the UFC, didn't you? Yeah, it's definitely one of the, um, the claims to fame for XFC, yeah. they've produced more UFC fighters than, than any other show. Um, wow. Probably the most popular would be Robert Whittaker, you know, the guy that just fought for yes, the uh, yes. title, made his pro debut oh, on XFC, wow. so yeah, they're definitely a couple of fighters that we're really proud of. Yeah. A lot of fighters are proud of, but yeah. Oh, awesome. So there's a real treat today because Matt's going to share with us his experience about buying, building up and selling XFC, but also some of the wins and the losses you've had mm. along the way and what it's like after you've sold a business, which is something not a lot of people think about. So thank you so much for coming on the show. No problems. Thanks for having me. So maybe let's frame up a little bit about, um, so how did you get into XFC and was this your first business or? Uh, yeah, pretty much so. I'd, I'd spent a lot of time uh, training in yeah. martial arts, you know, a lot of jiu-jitsu, um, a lot of mixed martial arts. Uh, and funnily enough, I actually wanted to become a, an official, you know, so I wanted to spend some time uh, refing and judging um, yeah. fights. Yeah. Uh, so I, I reached out to a couple of different shows uh, and one of the shows I reached out to was XFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Justin Lawrence, the original founder of the business, was was all about fairness and fighter opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from that, I obviously realised that it wasn't just the fighter opportunity that he was interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was making sure that everyone involved in the sport had a chance to get involved. So yeah. uh, I, I basically started with the business by looking after him and his fighters behind mm-hmm. uh, the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, when the fighters were getting their, their hands wrapped, um, prepared to fight all those bits and pieces as well. Yeah. So, uh, I always tell the story that when I first started with Justin, he'd had you know, 10, 15 people helping out the back. Yeah. Um, the second show I got involved, you know, there was five or six people helping out the back. The third show, there was two people, and the fourth show, there was just myself. So yeah, wow. every single show, I, I more and more gained his trust yeah. to the point where he's like, it's your baby out the back, you just take care of it. Yeah. Um, and I had a, a really strong sales background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I guess when Justin said that he was selling the business, I put my hand up and I was lucky enough that... Once uh, he found out that I was interested in buying the business, he, he closed down the negotiations with others and wow. he gave me that first shot. That's amazing. What an incredible opportunity. Oh, absolutely. And, and I know for a fact, I've seen the message that there are a lot of people that are interested in the business. Yeah. Um, so to be given um, free reign to, to put my case forward was yeah. really impressive. I like the way you led with value first. So you built the relationship by leading with value and then you don't gain 
trust so you're able to take over the business because of that that's really cool yeah that's right and, and i guess working behind the scenes behind um the fights you know everyone sees fighting you know when they walk out of the cage and the crowd loves it and they get mm. the winner they get their hand raised that that's where it all is but mm. uh, a lot of the uh, relationships are started behind the scenes you know yeah. I, and that's why i actually got involved in the fight game because I, I love seeing um the fighters turn up i love mm. seeing them really excited when they turn up and then it got closer and closer to their fight you know the, their skin started getting paler they started getting nervous the, <laughs> the mind game started playing so i've always liked that mental side of the game yeah um, so i was actually able to to learn about these fighters and get an in-depth knowledge of them yeah. um, before they actually went out and, and celebrated. So yeah. I was able to get a, a lot of respect from the, the fighters and the coaches by learning that side of the business as well. Yeah, that would all feed into the marketing, I suppose, too, because if you understand the fighters, you'll understand how to best market them. And Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and it's a fighter is exactly like a staff member. There, there's no fighter that has the exact same personality. There's no fighter yeah. that markets himself the same or prepares yeah. or... And, and it's such a brutal sport. You oh, know, the, it is. <laughs> the, the wins and the losses, you know, they, everyone always says that when you win in mixed martial arts, it's the highest high, but when you lose, it's, it's the lowest low. Yeah. So uh, to be able to, to experience the losses with those fighters and, and console them out the back as well uh, yeah. was something that, that I took a lot of pride in. Mm. Well, Robert Whittaker's loss on the weekend, I thought he took that like a champ. He spoke very well at the end of the fight and it, must have been from your coaching back <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. no I, I was lucky enough, I, I had a chance to meet Robert Whitaker when we had one of his teammates, yeah. um, David Francis, on the show. He fought for one of our titles against Matt Bale. Mm. Uh, and such a gentleman, you yeah. know. So he was he was so dedicated to his teammates. Yeah. Uh, it was really impressive. So it's not just himself that he's a, a world-class um, professional. It's also the way that he treats his teammates as well. So, yeah, um, yeah he, he did. He, he took it like a massive champion and... And that's what martial arts is now. It's mm. not this. It's not this bar fighting sport. You, we're basically dealing with the most professional, mm. incredible athletes mm. um, in the world. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about what it was like building the business. Was it when you first took it over? What were some of the struggles you went through? And because that was your first, no, second business, XFC. Mm -hmm. So obviously very different from real estate. But yeah, know. that's right. Yeah. So previously, I was running a real estate business, mm. uh, and funnily enough, I, I think you'll find that. A real estate business and running a fighter are almost identical. Really? Uh, almost identical. Yeah. So basically, when you're a real estate agent, you've got to prospect for listings. Yeah. Uh, in the fight game, you need to prospect for fighters because there are multiple fight shows that they can jump on. So you're always out in front of gyms and coaches and fighters selling your show, why you yeah. should fight for me, what I can do for you, what we'll get out of it together. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing for sponsors. You're, you're always having these conversations to try and buy and sell. Yeah. Uh, and then once you get a listing in real estate, you need to to pump it, you need to market it, you need to talk to buyers and, and get the deal across. And it's the exact same thing when you run a fight show, that once you've got the venue, the location, you then need to sell tickets and pump everything through. So mm. I actually found that they were completely identical. Wow. Uh, and, it, and it really just got to a point where uh, I had to choose between one or the other. Yeah. Um, I had the, the business owners return to, to Bradbell Real Estate to put their hand up to walk back into the business. Mm. So that gave me the chance to, to pursue XFC full-time, which I was really happy about. Mm. But um, uh, I guess, you know, the, my experiences in real estate and uh, my past sales experience gave me a lot of momentum walking mm. into XFC. Uh, but that being said, I, I always say that um, Justin Lawrence, the first owner of XFC, um, built a, an incredible platform, not just for mixed martial arts in Australia, but for XFC. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yes, we had a lot of success with XFC, but it was, and I'll always give the credit to Justin, if we weren't, if we didn't inherit such a successful business in the first place, yeah. uh, we wouldn't have seen those successes so quickly and 
and so hugely. Yeah, I think the word that you mentioned before, momentum, mm -hmm. is so important in a business. Like so many people take for granted momentum and when they start building it and they get sick of it or they get tired or whatever, they take their foot off the gas, but mm -hmm. to get that momentum back takes years. And so, yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah. you need to respect momentum. Yeah. You, know, you, you can't purchase a business like we did and, and congratulate and thank the previous owner for the momentum, but then go on a different path. Yeah. You need to understand what got that business to the success that it was mm. uh, and grow from it rather than just do something completely different. So, mm. And that's where our successes came from. Um, Justin was a very personable uh, owner with mm. XFC. He lived and breathed XFC. He, he created it back in 2003. Oh, wow. So we're talking a, a baby of his for 16 years. Yeah. You know? um, so yeah, we, we had to respect that. Yeah. Um, but we just tweaked it. You yeah. know? So Justin was a very personable a million conversations, a million road trips, yeah. all those bits and pieces. We we probably tweaked it a little bit to to be more of a digital platform, you know, mm. online ticket sales, mm. um, social media marketing. Whereas once again, Justin had so many contacts, he was just able to write a thousand text messages and yeah. sell a thousand tickets. Yeah. Uh, you know, whereas we went a different platform to you know try and sell those tickets to the general public and yeah. tweak it a little bit. So yeah. you, you were sort of more targeting non-customers at the time because he would leverage his lists and stuff like that. And as yeah, times evolved and technology evolved, then you guys evolved with the business. Yeah, that's right. You know, the, when in the fight game, a, a large percentage of the ticket sales will go from the fighters. Mm. You know, so if you're fighting, for example, yeah. uh, you will ask for 50, 60, 70 tickets, I'll hand them to you, and then yeah. you actually go and sell them. So yeah. you needed to have a business... Uh, proposition where if, if the fighters chose not to sell any tickets for a particular show, what was your fallback plan? Yeah. And obviously that ours was reaching out to that general, general yeah. market. Yeah. So what were some of the struggles that you went through with trying to build up XFC? I'm, I'm sure you would have had some shocking fights and some amazing <laughs> ones too. <laughs> uh, probably one of, the, one of the struggles is, or one of the frustrations I guess was that a, a lot of people would think that promoters are making millions and millions of dollars mm -hmm. you know they, they probably see shows like the UFC that are, that are banking millions and millions and and there was a, an ongoing saga that you know the UFC was making millions but paying their, their fighters peanuts yeah. uh, you know so we would have fighters professional fighters asking for paydays that were in line with UFC fighters yeah. making our small cut versus UFC making their millions and it, it didn't quite stack up so yeah. it, our frustrations came down to I guess fighters not understanding the costs that would go into a show. Yeah. You know, so I think there was one show that we had at Logan that, you know, the cost came in at about seventy five thousand dollars. Wow. You know, so so How we much need, on average does a fight usually cost? Uh well, yeah, so a, a normal show at a different venue would probably still cost us about forty thousand dollars. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. and then when we upscaled to a, a very large venue, yeah, yeah. that cost blew up to seventy five thousand dollars. Um so when you're when you're trying to push for ticket sales, you're trying to get those those fighters to maybe not fight at a certain price and meet you at, yeah. in the market. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When when you've got a seventy-five thousand dollar debt looming over your head. Yeah. Uh, and you really don't know if you're actually going to make that money until fight day or not. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stress involved in that. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I, I could not imagine. I've thrown events before, and it is quite stressful trying to get because people don't like to book things in advance. They mm. want to know what they're going to do the weekend before. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's that'd be so stressful. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you've got you've got cage you've got the staff that you need mm. to employ um, venues table service mm. uh, yeah, doctors um, there's so many costs it's it's funny enough I've, I've worked for a lot of business and run a lot of businesses but yeah in terms of promoting the fight game uh, I've probably never had so many people put their hand out um, for a paycheck than, than what promoting fights wow. um, shows wow mm. and so what were some of the highlights I suppose so you've, you've
you've produced top quality UFC fighters and, mm. and what else have been some amazing highlights for all the stress? <laughs> yeah, um, funny enough, like the actual friendships that you make, uh, you yeah. know, Justin would always say that the journey is the most rewarding part of the show and I, I completely agree with that sentiment. Mm. Uh, I've met some incredible friends uh, and even now some coaches and, and fighters that, we, that I still deal with on an almost daily basis. Mm. Um, yeah, there are more people that I've, I've dealt with with XFC than, than any other business that I hold really close to me. Mm. Um, and, and as I said, you know, we aren't dealing with, with pub fighters anymore. These guys are really high level mm. athletes mm. Uh, and even better salespeople and, and business people now. So that's probably the highlight mm. is the people that I've met along the way. Mm. Um, and luckily enough, you know, on top of that, I've, I've had some fighters that we've had, you know, fight in New Zealand, um, Tokyo, you know, yeah. a couple of places around the world that I've been able to go along to yeah. as well. Um, funnily enough, it would actually come up um, my memory today was two, uh, two years ago, a year ago, uh, that we're in Tokyo wow. um, with Matt Vale for one of his um, fights over in Pancrase in Japan. So, and I was lucky enough to take the wife with me, so we had a nice little trip off the back of that as well. So, oh, um, you, you can't complain when a, a fight show. Yeah, it costs a bit of money. There's a lot of stress involved, but when you get a trip to Tokyo out of it, yeah, it's pretty special. And you get to see the people that you're training up and putting in the cage actually make it and, and make something of themselves too. You're kind of facilitating them to create their own future. As well, which yeah, is yeah, absolutely. Special. You know, we, we had title fights for amateurs yeah. as well, uh, and there's a, a few shows that don't do title fights for amateurs, but I loved the experience. Mm. You know, the, the fact that these people might never want to aspire to be a professional fighter, mm. uh, but we've got a platform for them to, to jump on XFC to to prepare as if they were Conor McGregor or, or John Jones or something like that as well. And, yeah. uh, and it's a nice little shiny belt in, in 20 years' time to show the kids and the grandkids as well, which yeah. was pretty special to us as well. Oh. Beautiful. The memories, the moments. Yeah. So you've since sold XFC, mm-hmm. and I suppose I want to talk to you a little bit about what it's like after you sell a business, because I know we were talking offline, and there's a lot that people don't think about when you're mm-hmm. selling a business. Mentally, um, going through the, the legal side of things and the experience itself. So mm-hmm. yeah, what's it been like since you've sold the business? Uh, yeah, so I, I guess the biggest question I always get asked from my friends and, and family is, you know, what was involved in preparing the business for sale. Mm. Uh, and that was weeks and weeks of preparation, you know, making mm. sure that our books are in line, uh, our numbers were consistent and we could justify our numbers as well. Mm. Uh, probably the biggest hurdle is, like I've said before, you can prepare to sell the business, but do you prepare yourself yeah. after it's gone? Yeah. Uh, you know, XFC was my, my baby, my life for three years, mm. uh, which might not seem like a lot for some people's careers, but the fight game really is a, you know, if I was not spending 20 hours a day on the show, mm. um, it was a, a bad day for me. So mm. it was 365 days for those three years mm. and 15, 20 hour days. So it was something that I really invested my time and my heart and soul into it. Mm. And then to wake up one day and then it, that's not your focus was the yeah. biggest hurdle that I had to overcome. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like I said, the new owner had his own dreams and goals mm. and that, that was my biggest hurdle. Yeah. To, to have something that was my baby for so long and then, yeah, for it just to be taken away to some extent. And I wasn't taken away because we sold it. Mm. But yeah, that, that was the biggest hurdle that we had to overcome. Mm. I can totally relate to that mindset. I haven't sold a business, but I remember when I immersed myself in my studies while working in the field, while doing everything. And then when I finished uni for a year, I felt a little bit lost because mm. like you spend so many hours a day focusing on something for so long and then when that's not your focus anymore, like you sort of took your thumbs and you go, what now? That's right, yeah, because <laughs> we, were, we were good at it, you yeah. know, like yeah, we really enjoyed it and 
that's that's the thing that probably hurts the most that you, you spend so much so many hours and so much focus and and brain power on, yeah. on building a platform where you've got these incredible processes in place and you, you've streamlined the business and every show looks better and better and more enjoyable mm. and then all of a sudden it's gone you're like oh but we're on such a good roll there and we had so many things built up there and that was really enjoyable that we built that and then again the, the new owners can take the path that they choose mm. and when they don't choose to take certain things that you've built up you're like oh damn that was you that kind of almost feel like it's a waste of time. That's right, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, it was like it's that's my youngest kid that he's choosing not to love. He's like <laughs> my oldest kid, you know, like little things like that. You, yeah. yeah, you're like, oh, please keep doing that for me. And yeah. I wish they'd done this. And, I made all uh, these sacrifices to make that's that That's right, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you actually do. You, you remember all the, the annoying conversations you had with the, the web developer to build a certain app that they no longer choose to use. You're like, yeah. damn, I fought so hard for that and I only got to use it for one show and now you don't want to use it. Things like that. But, yeah. but again, you know, you you talk about when you sell a business, you, you've sold it, it's gone. Yeah. You know, so um, the, the new owner has complete right to mm. take it down any path they want. Yeah. Um, so you just need to, to grin and bear it. Um, and again, yeah, I, I guess if I could have done it again, I, I probably wouldn't have liked to have had so much involvement from the start because again, I just couldn't choose to let go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, you, passion will lead you yeah. down one path. Yeah. And if you were still passionate about something and you got involved, then you, you can't stop that. Yeah, exactly. So what were some of the mistakes you've made along the way that others might be able to benefit from with setting up a business or, or taking over a business and growing it that, yeah, you uh, <laughs> So we were, we were pretty lucky that we, if I looked at our overall business, we were 95% successful. You know, we only really had two shows that really hurt us. Mm. Uh, and both those times I, I had, like I said, I had an incredible mentor in Justin Lawrence, the previous owner, um, that when we originally bought the business, the contract said that we had a one show agreement in terms of his consultancy. Mm. Uh, after 15 shows, I was still speaking to Justin every single day on the phone. Uh, mm. And if, again, if I jumped off the phone in under an hour, it was a short phone call. Oh, wow. um, so again, I, I had a lot of um, momentum from the start and a lot of mm. um, sponsorship from Justin leading up mm. over time as well. I think it was after two shows, they were really incredible, successful shows, and I thought I was Dana White. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm, call me Dana White was the first Matt Walton. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've, I've got this. So uh, we wanted to change the location of the venue. We, we found this incredible venue. We thought, yeah, we're going big. And Justin's like, don't do it. Stay at the Mansfield Tavern. You know what I mean? Don't do this. Don't do that. I'm like, I've got this, Justin. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's it's straightforward. Uh, the first show, the good, the new venue was okay. The second show was okay. The third and fourth was actually sorry. The first show was okay. The second show, we we lost sixteen thousand dollars. Yeah, so that's, that's gonna hurt. <laughs> it does, yeah. Especially when you, you're used to making money, and yeah. probably where that hurt the most was that I was making a lot of the decisions for the business. Mm. Uh, I had two other business partners. One was more um, a silent partner, uh, mm. and the other Dan, my best friend, was more logistics. So he would mm. do like the cage build and mm. a lot of the um, behind the scenes thing that, that he got no fame or fake popularity from, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so my role was the promoting the ticket sales, the fighters that we used. Mm. Um, yeah, unfortunately, the decisions that I made cost the business sixteen grand. Yeah. So it's then kind of tough to say, hey, my two other business partners, I need four thousand dollars out of your bank account each. Mm. I'll take four to pay off my mistake. So. And I would imagine that would take a massive hit on your cash flow too, because like you would have so many expenses you would have to pay up front before you could get your money at the tail end for ticket sales too. Yeah, that's right. And and the alarm bells just weren't ringing quick mm. enough. Uh, and it was probably we'd never been in that position before. Like we'd never been in a position where. We thought the business was going to fail, that we thought the business was going to cost money. So, mm. 
we just thought that the money will show up. If you do the X, then you'll get Y. That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, normally the money turns up when the fighters return their tickets the wage or when we go collect money. But yeah, we had so much confidence leading off the first two or three shows that we just mm. thought it's going to be okay. Mm. So to say that we ignored the signs mm. is tough because we actually never had seen the signs before. Yeah. Um, so, and, and there, there were certain factors in there that uh, we couldn't control. Mm. You know, one day um, police just told us that they were turning up at the show uh, and we couldn't say no to their presence. Mm. So I think that show we, we spent about $6,000 just in police. Um, you had to pay for the police to be there. Yeah, that's right. It's definitely something that... Really? That, that, yes, it cuts really deep. Um, oh, wow. Especially considering hopefully the, uh, the venues listening to this right now. But uh, <laughs> I remember when we went out there, um, and this is another learning factor that when you go to a venue, everything has to be in writing. Yeah. Because uh, we actually went around to three or four venues uh, and each time they said for that particular venue that you don't need police presence because of the location that it's in. Mm -hmm. If you go down the road, you do because it's a certain type of demographic. So we signed off at this one spot. Um, and then once it was all signed and sealed, they said, no, you do need police now. Uh, you can't say no to it. Otherwise, I'll just shut it down. Oh. So, so $6,000 in police. Uh, and when you break that down, you know, when, when your average ticket price is $100, sorry, $70, mm. that's 100 tickets you need to sell just for police. Wow. You know, and then if you hire the cage, what's, which is... What's the venue capacity like? Uh, the so the venue capacity there was 1,800. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's full capacity, though. Wow. Um, so yeah, you're looking at a at five percent of your sales is just on one cost. Wow. And the difference when you look at a business is you beat off odds. You know, you've got cost, you've got investment. You yeah. know, that, that's just a straight up cost. Wow. I make no money from the police no. being there. Uh, no one comes to a show because they know police will be there and they feel safe. <laughs> like it's just a dead cost. It's it's basically rent. Yeah. Um, so a lot of those costs in that seventy five grand I mentioned earlier, we can generate money from like table yeah. sales and VIP packages, but. Uh, even that show, I think, um, you know, that, that venue, we had to sell a minimum of 20 tables for it to be free. Yeah. And I think we sold 14. Like, it was a really bad wow. um, turnaround for VIP experiences. So that was six grand. It was just, we just had to pay for those six yeah. remaining tables. And it, it just accumulated uh, yeah. to the point where um, almost in the fetal position after the, the show, <laughs> saying, how did this go wrong? And, yeah. and funny enough, like, you look at the show, from the outset, it was a success. Yeah. You know, the, the fights were incredible. Every fighter got paid. Everyone that had their hand out for one of those expenses got paid, which we were really happy about. Because yeah. um, unfortunately, there have been some um, experiences in mixed martial arts and promoting where promoters have lost money and they've disappeared. You know, they've exited out yeah. the back door. Uh, I remember even from that show where we lost 16000 um, a fighter had earned $10 in ticket commissions. Oh. And he messaged me a week later saying, Where's my, my ticket? Yeah, where's my $10? So, Did he know it was $10? Yes. Yeah, so, um, and oh. again, my theory is here, here I'm hurting that I've just lost $16,000, but I'm a human. You know, maybe maybe he's struggling to feed his children. That's right, yeah. put fuel in the car to go to a job interview. So, again, there are a couple of conversations I could have turned around and said, mate, I'm really hurting here. I need yeah. you to cop this one on the chin. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I took ownership. Those failings were mine. I don't. I shouldn't have to rely on the fighters selling all the tickets to cover the show. The UFC don't, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was just our business model that needed to change. So here's your ten dollars. Oh, that sounds like an amazing business philosophy to have, especially with building relationships and trust and all that kind of stuff for future fights. So yeah, yeah it, as a business owner, it's you take all the risk. Yeah. You know, and I know we we looked at the the numbers after that show. And we're like, well, that fighter didn't sell tickets. That fighter cost too much. You know, 
we should never put that fight on because it costs us money. But at the end of the day, we made those decisions. Yeah. You know, we put that person in place. We employed that staff member. Yeah. Um, if you have a business model where you're looking to always blame somebody else and point the finger and never take ownership from it, yeah. it's not going to work. Usually the fingers point right back at you. <laughs> that's right, yeah. If you point at someone, there's three people yeah. pointing back that's at you. That's it, yeah, yeah, that's yeah right. I've had that saying. Um, it's funny you say about having things in writing. That is probably one of the most common conversations I have with people mm-hmm. is, well, did you get that in writing? And the amount of people that go, no, you know, we, I thought we had a mutual agreement or no, we seem to get along fine, so yeah. we just shook hands on it or something. And yeah. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Like, I think that when you go into business, it's not that you're planning for the worst to happen because it's not that you expect it's going to happen, but it's factors happen sometimes yep. and you need to... I've always had the philosophy that if you have everything in writing, you're protecting a friendship mm-hmm. or you're protecting a relationship because yeah, there's exactly. no need to have friction about yep. something. Yeah, yeah I, I would always put it in writing as well. A lot of people would want to have phone conversations. I'm not happy yeah. with phone calls because it's personal, uh, but every experience I had was I would have the phone call uh, and then I would send them a message to say, hey, look, really appreciate that phone call. I love the opportunity. Mm. Just so I'm accountable to you, yeah. I just wanted to remind you that we've agreed to this, 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 and this. Yeah. So it's, it's your way of saying, hey, look, I'm your friend, but yeah. I'm going to take accountability. Yeah. Uh, and that was the, the way of putting it in paper. So yeah. uh, I, I almost basically run the entire business through Facebook Messenger. <laughs> you know, it was so easy to use, so easy to read. You can use yeah. it anywhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, but again, you, you can see when they've seen it. Yeah, having everything in writing was really, really important. Yeah. So have you got any advice for anybody who's thinking about um, starting a business or going, getting into the entertainment industry or yeah, just in general becoming yeah, an entrepreneur? It, it's about relationships, you know, and yeah. the network that you've got around you. Yeah. Um, you can have all the, the dreams and passion in the world, but you need to be able to have the business acumen to pull it off. Yeah. You know, so... And, and that was where we had our undoing. You know, we wanted to be the next UFC in Australia where we, we rose to that size just far too quickly. We probably could have done it after our 10th show or our 15th show, mm. uh, but to think that our dreams and our ambitions were just too high from the start was what really undid us. Yeah. Um, you need to have your family on board. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I did three hours of incredible, incredible hours a day, mm. uh, and my wife was my absolute rock. Mm. Um, so... She deserves absolutely everything uh, in the future, yeah. uh, and I'll forever pay her back for that. But uh, like I said, yeah, you, you really need to make sure. Even now, with, with the with the new business that I'm involved in, every time I talk to her, she always says, "I've got your back." Um, so you, you need to make sure that that's actually correct and honest. Yeah. Um, and and like I said, you, you've got to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I I read a book the other day which talks about whether or not you give a yeah. whatever it is, whatever that word is, that swear word. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, after reading that, I was like, you're right. There are a lot of things that were upsetting me in this business that yeah. shouldn't be because there are other things that you should um, give your time and effort into. So yeah, uh, yeah. In, in terms of starting a business, you've got to have the right people around you. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, just make sure that your dreams and ambitions don't outweigh your actual skill set. Yeah. Or the market. Yeah. You know, so maybe the, the market isn't quite ready to, yeah. to grow as quickly as you want it to grow. Yeah. yeah I think sometimes when we start businesses, we think the business is for us. Because we yep. think it's an amazing idea, so we're like, I would totally buy that. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Our enthusiasm takes over, but at the end of the day, we're not the ones pulling out our wallet and buying our products. So. Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, Yeah, like the fight game, that was something that was really easy to me. It yeah. was something that I really enjoyed, mm. but I enjoyed it more because of what I saw the fighters get out of it yeah. and the coaches get out of it. Yeah. So. Um, again, though, that's where I can put my hand up where I've, we've lost money on fights because there was a particular fight that I wanted to see happen, so mm. I booked it. Yeah. You know? Oh, sorry. Ooh. That's all right. Um, yeah, so there are a couple of fights that I wanted to see personally, so I booked it and they yeah. cost us money. Yeah. 
So again, I needed to then go back to the business owner to say, hey, look, we lost money on that fight. I apologize. I put my hand up. Yeah. That was a fight I wanted to see. Yeah. Um, so I'll wear that. It's a very good chin. fight, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> totally took that one off the that's list. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope that's been insightful for everybody listening and watching. Um, and if you wanted to check out XFC, um, I'll pop a link in the, the notes, but I'll also um, pop your details too. So I'm sure that if anybody's got any questions, you wouldn't mind. Yeah, anything. absolutely. So, yeah. Thank you so much, everybody. I hope you all have an amazing day. And thanks, Matthew. Thank you. Ta. I didn't ruin it with the, no. uh, the drug if you found value in this podcast, please let me know by leaving a review. It takes 30 seconds and tells me that you're loving receiving the content from me. It takes time to think of, record and edit these podcasts and I do it to help you on your journey. So please let me know what you think. If you're ready to launch a business, I have a brand new course which will give you the coaching I've been doing with my one-on-one clients for the past four years inside of a group coaching platform without the expensive price tag of the one-on-one coaching and it's delivered online with weekly check-ins so even the busiest person like me can manage the course load. I work a full-time job, am studying at uni and running my own successful consulting business so everything I create for you as my client is tested to make sure it can be achieved with the busiest lifestyle. I've priced the course so it's cheaper than a couple of Uber Eat meals a week and you will get me as your business coach taking you through the entire process to launch your business successfully with the proper foundations for growth. So if you're ready to take the next step to break your mold and achieve the lifestyle you deserve, click on the link in the show notes and sign up for the Launchpad course. If you haven't got a business idea yet, I offer a seven-day business idea challenge, which will help you find your purpose or why in life and match it with any number of epic business ideas. You do this challenge with a group of people so you can bounce ideas around and learn from everybody's insights. The challenge has been a huge success. So if you're ready to find your purpose or an epic business idea and learn how to validate it before launching it, sign up for the challenge and join our next intake. I appreciate you all for listening and I hope you have an amazing day wherever you're listening in the world.